0: welcome to the shit show of my 20s my name's sophia i'm so glad you're here i'm a 20 year old from la and i started this podcast back in april after getting furloughed from my job for 10 weeks i realized during those 10 weeks i could do absolutely nothing and sit on the couch and eat ice cream or i could do one of the projects i've been wanting to do but have been pushing off for the longest time and i've been wanting to start a podcast for a while but I've been pushing it off, pushing it off till when I felt ready, when I felt good enough, when I felt like my story was good enough, or when I felt comfortable in front of a camera or or talking to people. And I realized that that moment was really truly never going to come. I was never going to feel ready enough. I was never going to feel good enough. And that I just had to create that experience and just step out there. And I just Recorded and I recorded before I was ready. I recorded before I felt comfortable. And I remember the first interview shaking before, and then the feeling afterwards after having the conversation with her. And I realized how much of these stories I built up in my head about how it was going to be or how I wasn't prepared or whatever. And when I was just present in that interview, I learned so much and I realized I want to do this again. So I did it again and again. And since April, I've interviewed over 90 people heard so many incredible stories about love, heartbreak, career, success, so many good things. And if there's something that I hope that you guys get from this podcast, it's that you're never going to feel ready and that if it excites you and it kind of scares you at the same time, maybe you should do it. Maybe you should try it and see what happens. So, I would love if you guys could help share this podcast, share it with someone you think will love it, and leave a review. So, that's pretty much it. Well, Today's guest is Nellie. I love chatting with her. We talk about how she started her own nonprofit at 16 years old. How she had this moment with her husband and her husband was like, you're bleeding so much for this business and pouring so much money into it and something really needs to change and how she was able to take that failing business and take it to six figures, how she's been able to cultivate a community on Facebook, how to get past any blocks about being on live video and so much more. So let's get started. So thank you so much, Nellie, for joining me today. I'm really looking forward to getting to know you love to know about your story. Tell me about your background. How'd you get to the place you are at right now? Start wherever resonates with you, wherever you feel like your story really starts. Well, I'm so
1: excited to be on here with you, Sophia, and just chat with all of your amazing listeners because your 20s are, you're learning so much about yourself. Like I just graduated to my 30s. So I learned so much in my 20s of who I am, who I want to be, who do I not want to be? So my journey really began from a transformation standpoint when I was 16 years old and really just wanting to be a part of something bigger than myself. And it it's crazy that hindsight's always 2020. And so When I was 16, it was, let's do a fashion show to raise money for pediatric cancer families. That sounds really fun. And the first fashion show, we raised $3,000, which I thought was amazing, right? Like to be able to give that to Nationwide Mm -hmm. Children's Hospital here in Columbus, Ohio, just felt really fulfilling. And to see my friends involved in it, and it was just going to be that. And It was so interesting to me because never did I ever think that it would go on for 14 plus years, continue to grow, raise millions of dollars, be able to support pediatric cancer families in one of their darkest times with financial and emotional needs. And it's so important to start things scared. That's really what I talk about even to this day of like, I had no idea what it was going to turn into as a personal growth journey, a nonprofit standpoint, but I just started like, I did not have it all figured out. I had no money, no network, no clue what I was doing from a nonprofit standpoint, but it sounded fun. And so I think it's really important to start things scared, but also do things that are on your heart that you're just like, this is really exciting to me. And I just want to explore what this is and see where it goes. Right. And just being okay with whatever it comes to be because that's exactly what it's supposed to be. Right. And so I just continued to grow the nonprofit. And then I started really pouring into myself because what I noticed on the nonprofit journey was I was just fundraising can be really hard. Right. And so what I noticed was I was working crazy amount of hours, going to college, working additional jobs, growing this nonprofit. I didn't really have the quote unquote college experience. Like I wasn't at tons of parties. I didn't do those things. I just honestly didn't have the time. And I lost a lot of myself through the nonprofit. And I don't blame anyone because it was really my choice, right? My choice, how much I wanted to fundraise my choice, how much I wanted to work my choice, how many families we wanted to be able to support. And so but I felt this pressure on me to the point where I gained a ton of weight. I was not present in my marriage. I uh, obviously was working so many hours and I wasn't sleeping well. So I would literally pull over on the side of the road from panic attacks. And it was crazy to me. This was many years ago, but I remember sitting on the side of the road one day when I was having a panic attack. Cause I literally couldn't feel my whole body. It was, it felt what I would think would feel like Being paralyzed, like it just felt so, I couldn't even feel it. It was just very stiff and like almost like when your legs fall asleep and you're, but it's like times a hundred. And so, what was crazy to me in that moment was, but everyone's telling me that I'm successful. So, is this what success looks like? Because if it is, I don't want it. I don't want to feel this way. I don't want to live my life this way. And so, That really started my personal growth journey. So even though I had a ton of success, before that, my personal development journey really started then. And I started going to hire coaches and go to seminars and sign up for courses, read books, all of these things that are so easily accessible to us, right? It's never a knowledge issue. There's tons of knowledge out there. There's tons of people out there to support you with whatever you're going through, but it always comes down to us, right? Right. We are always in the way of what we want the most. And so uh, I started losing a lot of weight. I started gaining a ton of confidence. And it was amazing that when I put my oxygen mask on, I started seeing the world and myself in a whole different way of like, what else is possible for me? And uh, soon after we got pregnant, I then transitioned out of my nonprofit. It's still going amazing, but it doesn't need me anymore, which is just like, the most exciting thing ever. And now I have a business of my own and I'm able to work when I want, how I want to work. And it's just really exciting to see over the past 14 years, just all the transformation that has happened. That is just really exciting.
0: And the initial inspiration behind the nonprofit, did you have someone close to you who inspired you? How did the inspiration come from Yeah, so
1: I believe everyone unfortunately knows somebody with cancer, and my grandmother actually passed away from cancer when I was much younger, and we loved fashion. Fashion's really what bonded us together, which is what the idea of the fashion show came to be of like, this just sounds really fun. And it's a great way to honor my grandmother. And we picked pediatric cancer because it's the number one leading cause of death by disease for kids. And it is the least funded type of cancer. And so when I was 16, I felt like, well, I can't know those statistics and not do something about it. And so that's really the reason that we picked pediatric cancer to be able to focus on.
0: Mm-hmm. I love to go into age for a minute because sixteen, you know, it's very young to start this nonprofit to start doing all that work. Did you ever have a block like I'm young? Can I really do this? Can I really have this big mission and do this big work? How did you get to the point where you're like, you know what? I'm just gonna figure out how to do it, and I'm not gonna let my age be like a limiting. Yeah,
1: great question. So it's funny because when you don't know what you don't know, you're it actually like sometimes naive is like ignorance is bliss type of thing. Like so. Mm-hmm. I didn't have bills that I have now, right? I didn't have the responsibility that I have now. And so it actually worked for me because I was able to really grow the nonprofit and focus on that besides school and be able to really take it to the level that I wanted as quickly as I wanted to, that it would look different now, right? I would, I have childcare now. There's just a, life looks different. I'm in a different season now. But what I did notice that when I would go to like networking events, or I would speak on stages or go to news interviews. They're like, oh, you're 16. You're or if I was 18, oh, you're 18. Like it blew people away, which actually makes me really sad that I was so young. I was even on a phone call with a donor one day and they're like, oh, I said I was on spring break. They're like, oh, are you a teacher? And I said, no, I'm a student. And they started laughing. They're like, what? I had no idea. And so, but I do believe like, so I was a young female trying to do things. And there was definitely a lot of stigma around that more than I think there should be. I don't think there should be any stigma really when anyone, no matter if you're young or old, like as long as you have passion, you want to go for what you want. Like, cool. Like, let's do it. But I always just tried to use it to my advantage. Cause what else can you do? Right? Like there's always going to be those people. Like literally people told me to my face, no one will come to your fashion show. You won't make any money. Like, and I'm like, why do we have this in our world? Like, we need to be motivating and encouraging people. So it's just such a good reminder to spread more kindness into the world because we really do need it.
0: And starting off your personal development journey after that, where did you start? Did you start with like a book? Like what was your intro to personal mm. development?
1: So my intro to personal development was Shalene Johnson. She's known in the health and fitness space. So she really taught me so much that going from stress success to smart success, which is exactly how I felt when I found her of like, remember, like pulled over on the side of the road, like all these people were saying that I was super successful, but yet internally was not feeling that way. It was very stress success, which there's plenty of that out there, but I don't know about you, Sophia, but I do not want that. I want smart success where I can be the mom. I can be the wife. I can be the person that I want to be without sacrificing everything for achievement, right?
0: Have you always had like a background in sales? What inspired you to create Sales Queen and really go into teaching women how to sell? And what was the inspiration behind that? Yeah,
1: so I I believe that when you fundraise for a decade, fundraising is honestly the hardest sales job because you're convincing somebody Mm -hmm. to give their hard-earned dollars, whether it's a business or a family For just the sake of like doing good out into the world. So like mastering that skill, even though I didn't realize it at the time, like I was just fundraising all this money and we had awesome people coming on board, which even other people fundraising on your behalf is such a success because you had to find those people. And so what I noticed transitioning from the nonprofit space into my own business, it didn't start off as sales. I've had many, many failures. And I actually talk about that of going from Literally a failing business to over six figures and now helping other businesses do the same because I believe women especially should be able to earn any amount of living that they want on their terms. So even if you do work for somebody else, it's okay to want a side hustle. It's also okay if you want to leave your job and grow your own business. So it's like, how can we work your business to your dreams and goals and work it to your advantage. So it was interesting to me because I had multiple failures after I left. I wish I could say that it was super easy and I just made all this money, but it wasn't that way. And I I really do believe we have to go through the hard to get to the really good. And you appreciate it so much more. Like there's days now where I'm like, Oh my gosh, I've dreamt of this moment for so long. And now I'm here. Like this just feels really cool good. But if I didn't have all that hard, I don't know if I would appreciate it as much. And so I really landed on sales because through every failure that I had, the universe kept talking to me and it was saying, you always talk about business. You're always talking about strategy. You're always talking about these things. And it was to the wrong person. So that person was really turned off by it because she didn't want to build a business. And so I was talking to the wrong person about where I could really help somebody. And so I had that aha moment of like, oh my gosh, this is my zone of genius. This is what I know I can help other people with. And so ever since then, I've just been creating different offers and programs and free resources even of how I can support that person. And it's sticking and it feels really good. And I think anyone can do that. So whatever your passions are, you can absolutely turn it into a paycheck.
0: And how did you save your failing business how to, and how did you know that you can, yeah. And how did you know that you could create it into a six figure business? Like, were you ever worried? Like, can I really do this? Is this going to happen? Like, how were you able to shift that?
1: Yeah. So there's a really distinct moment that I talk about with my audience where, I was having that failing business and it was failing hard like i was bleeding a ton of money because you can be super passionate and be like look at me look how awesome i am you know buy whatever i'm selling but until you like get behind the scenes of a business you really know what's going on and so i literally had a newborn baby and my husband and i were literally sitting on the couch one night And he's like, you're bleeding so much money in your business. Like something has got to change. And it was a very humbling moment. And I really appreciate that honesty because it didn't feel good at the time, but it was exactly exactly what I needed to hear to be able to pivot, to make the changes that I needed to make, you know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. Like we've got to change and we've got to do it quickly. So the faster you can pivot, the faster you're going to be able to get to any amount of success that you want. And so I believe you first got to want six figures, if that's your target, maybe your target's higher than that. But I think every business should be above six figures, just for the sake of all of your hard Work, all of your talents, by the time you take taxes out, like all of that, it should absolutely be above six figures because to be able to compensate you well, we need that amount of money in your business every single year. And so I first believe you've got to want it and you got to see the picture. You don't have to have all the details, but of like, yeah, I understand, like I'm picking up what you're putting down. Like, yes, I want to be compensated for my time. Yes, I want to put good out into the world and do it on a high level, right? I don't want to hide all of my gifts and talents anymore. And then you've got to believe that you can do it. And this is the most important part. You don't have to believe 100%, right? Like it may feel fuzzy, but you're like, okay, I, I believe that I can do it 20%. And I can work with that. Like as long as your percentage is above 5%, we can continue... To have the belief in yourself as we take action. Because just like anything else, when you take action, you see results. And it may not be six figures, but when you make $20, do you believe you can make 40? Of course. And then when you make $40, don't you believe you can make 80? And it just keeps going and going and going. But the only way to create that money momentum in your business is to start with the $20. And then we can keep going from there. And so the believing in that you want it and that you can do it is critical.
0: I would love to go back to that conversation with your husband. And how do you not be defensive about that or be like, how could you say that to me? How could you criticize my business like that? Like, how would you not take that personally and say, okay, I can learn from this versus me just wanting to like fire off on him, you know?
1: I want to say that I handled it very well, but that would be lying. And I'm not about that. So And I was very hormonal because we just had this baby. So I had all these hormones going on and I was super tired. I literally remember holding our daughter and just crying. And it wasn't because I was defensive, but I would, I knew it was true. And typically when we get defensive, it's because we are, we're trying to defend ourselves because we do know it's true, right? If something, if someone says something to you, like, people unfriend me now and I'm like, okay, that's cool. You're not my person. It doesn't offend me like, because I'm, I'm not worried about it. So when someone that you love says something that close, it's because, and if it hurts or if you get defended or offended rather you, it's because, you know, it's true on some level, right? Like, and so I just remember the tears coming down and it took a moment to process that. And like the sting for that to go away. But then I, I went into action mode and it it kept happening, right? As the sense of like, okay, it's like breadcrumbs, right? Like, okay, I've now we're not bleeding money, but I'm still not making what I want. What's next? And you have to just keep on going. Like it doesn't happen overnight. And I feel like we forget that and then we give up and then we're back to square one again. So giving up is like the last thing I want anyone to do.
0: And I'd love for you to go into Facebook and why have you put like so much of your time there? What type of return have you seen from that? And what advice would you give someone who maybe wants to build an engaged audience like you do on Facebook? Yeah. So
1: I always say, go where your audience is. So it's so important to know what you're selling because then we get to figure out who, who is that perfect for, right? And we can't just say, I can help everyone, right? That's, we cannot do that. Even if your I, your program product or service can help everyone. We've got to narrow it down to who that's perfect for like 100%, like your core ideal person, because he or she may be somewhere else, not Facebook. My person's on Facebook. So if you saw my screen time in a week for Facebook, it would make you go crazy, but it's an investment because I, you're always trading your time or your money. I actually don't a ton of money on ads under when I'm in launch mode I think it's about 500 to a thousand dollars a month when I'm not in launch mode maybe like 200 to 400 dollars a month which those numbers could be feel high or low to you but with people big, big people, they're spending like $25,000 on ads. So very, very small. So I trade a lot of my time still because I'm building relationships. I'm getting to know people I'm talking to them. And I actually, I'm okay with that because I'm learning so much of what are their limiting beliefs? What are their pain points? You know, how I can support them with that. And so I spent a lot of my time on Facebook, just hanging out with people, getting to know them and I think we forget that social media is supposed to be social. So you can't just post and go away, right? The engagement Mm -hmm. is truly two parties going back and forth together. And I've always tried to make sure that is a top priority in my business to be able to, to have that engagement. Cause it's kind of like a yearbook, right? Like everyone wants everyone to sign their yearbook. Your social media is the same way. Everyone wants their social media to be acknowledged. Like, who commented on my latest post, who saw my stories, right? Like everyone wants people to be interested in them. And so going out and finding your ideal people and being interested in them is literally one of the best things you can do.
0: And what advice would you give someone who maybe isn't into Facebook yet? They want to start building. And how do you like really build your audience too? Is it awkward to send like friend requests to people you don't know? Like how do you find more people, and build a bigger audience on Facebook?
1: Great question. So on your Facebook profile, you can max out your friends list at 5,000 people. I always like to suggest that to my clients because having a business page is fantastic, but unless you're running ads, your Facebook business page is not going to get as much reach as your profile is. So the biggest thing you can do for yourself is to max that out with the right people right? And the best way to do that is to go into Facebook groups. So say for example, your ideal person loved dogs. You could go into dog groups, interact with people, ask if you could add people as friends, or you could just request them as friends. Because if you had a nice conversation, it's kind of like when you meet somebody at a coffee shop, there is kind of that like next step, right? It's like, oh, I'd love to get your number or I'd love to get your email or add you on social is another big thing now. So keeping that that relationship going. And so it feels easier than just like a random friend request where you're like, who is this? Right. So going into Facebook groups is fantastic. Sometimes even in Facebook groups, I've seen people say, Hey, I'm, I'm looking to, you know, have amazing women on my social media who would love to connect. And then all these people say me, 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 me. So that literally gives people you, they've said, yes, I want to connect with you. Right. So Maxing out your friends list is critical. And then building a relationship with those people. So we can't just, you know, add them as a friend and expect everything to be awesome, right? It's engaging on their social media. It's, you know, sending them a DM and saying hello, right? There's no, I think every message first is a cold message, but it doesn't have to be a cold message selling message. And that's the most critical part. Like, I don't know about you, but if you've ever had somebody slide into your DMs, be like, Hey, will you buy this? And you're like, I don't even know who you are. Right. It doesn't feel really good. So uh, from a sales aspect, I never want you to do that. But at some point, every message is going to be a cold message. It just doesn't have to be a cold selling message.
0: I know you do video a lot. How often do you go live and what advice would you give someone who maybe is hesitant about going live because they're worried about it or is scared about going on live yes. video? So
1: you absolutely should be on live video because the more features you use on any social media platform, the more they're going to favor you. So if you're DMing people, if you're interacting in groups, if you're on your page posting all of these things, Facebook, if we're using that as the example here is saying, she really loves our platform, Right. Facebook doesn't charge you to be on the platform, but they're getting advertising dollars, right? So if you're helping them stay, other people to stay on the platform longer, they're going to reward you with showing more of your content, right? Like it's just this crazy fun algorithm game. So with that being said, live video is one of those features that they really love when people use. Cause guess what? If a video is five minutes long, then you're keeping somebody on the platform for five whole minutes, which is big in the social media world, right? So, and then they can show you different videos, they can retarget you, like you can do all of these things, with keeping people on the platform. So live video is great. So that's more from a Facebook standpoint. It's great for you because you can absolutely build a one-sided relationship with video, right? And somebody's social media posts, you can't really hear the emotion. You can't hear the excitement. So even when you get on video, even though you don't know the person watching, they're building this relationship with you. Like, it's so funny to me that when people come up to me, they like give me these hugs and they're like, I feel like I already know you. And I'm like, it's because I do video. You hear my voice, you hear my passion, you hear my teaching style, which may, you may want to join one of my programs because you liked my teaching style. It's also a great way to weed people out. I weed a lot of people out because I cuss a lot and I'm passionate and I'm you know obsessed. I post a lot. And some people aren't down with that. And so they weed themselves out. So it actually helps from that standpoint too, to make room for new people. So live video, I started many years ago. It was when I was first starting my personal development journey and Chalene Johnson, going back to her, she's like, you need to be on video. You need to be on video. And again, it's never a knowledge issue with anything that you want in this world. It is always an execution issue because we know what we need to do to grow our business. We know what we need to do to grow ourselves and to stay healthy and all of these things and build relationships, but it's actually doing the things right. And you're never going to be ready. You have to be okay with sucking. I was 40 plus pounds heavier. When I started video, I said, um, a lot, I didn't know where the camera was. I have like, it felt so awkward, but the beautiful part about starting is when your audience is really small, They're not seeing, you don't have 5,000 people on you yet, right? Like you're preparing for the big stage. Just like think of Taylor Swift. When Taylor Swift started, she started performing as the intro guest, right? She didn't sell out her own arenas at first. And so I think we forget that because we want Taylor Swift's success, but we've got to start with being the small fry in order to be able to get to that, that big stage. So live video, even if it's literally hopping on and giving a, like a makeup tutorial, it doesn't even have to be talking about anything business related or anything like that. You can show a recipe, you can show you doing makeup, you can encourage somebody. It doesn't even have to be long. Like I think so many times we overthink things when we can literally just press live and say hi. Like it can be that simple.
0: And for Facebook, what type of content do you post and what type of content do you feel does really well for you?
1: The content that does the best for me is literally motivating people and supporting them. Like, and that's not even really technically what I sell, but I feel like the world needs more of that. And so anytime I just like, I feel this on my heart today and I'm just going to go live about it. I get so many views, so many engagements, but most importantly, people messaging me of saying that's exactly what I needed to hear today. So, and it's so simple, right? Like, cause I could choose to not go live and say, oh, I don't know. I don't have makeup on, or I don't have my daughters in the background. Like she could be screaming all of those limiting beliefs and challenges in front of us. But those are what make you a real human too. So I think we are so worried about being polished and put together. And there's a time and a place for that for sure. But social media is supposed to be real and raw. And so you showing up that way, no matter what your message is, you're going to be able to connect so much more with people when they can see a slice of your life and what what you have to say.
0: How do you do sales without being pushy? Mm. What sales Mm. tips can you give Mm. (laughs) us?
1: My biggest thing is I feel like so many women are afraid to sell because they're afraid to be pushy, salesy, slimy, icky. You know, you fill in the blank. And my favorite and short answer to that is then don't be that way. Like who said that you have to be that way? You can do it on your terms. This is your business and it can be super, super fun. And what my coach says to me all the time is when you master marketing, it eliminates the need to sell. So a lot of times with Uh, women, we forget that we've got to put ourselves out there to be able to have people be interested in what we're about, right? What is our message? How can we support people? So when you can really hone in on your marketing skills, you will literally be irresistible, unstoppable, and get to any level that you want because you're going to put in the hard work to suck at live video, for example, and get much, much better with that, or start a podcast like you did and like have all these amazing guests on, like you've got to be okay with starting and being able to grow. And so the biggest thing is really focusing on where are you at and where do you want to be and how can we get you there? And so sales, why I'm so passionate about sales is because if we want, like, let's just not pretend money is important, right? We need money to be able to, for as simple as buy food, right? Food and water, to put a roof over our head. Now let's think even bigger, to go out with friends, to go see a movie, to go see a concert, to donate to charity, to buy that dream car, to save up for college for your kids, to buy, you know, fun clothes, like everything needs money. And so the exciting part of growing your business is that you have unlimited earning potential. You have no boss saying when you have to work, how you have to work, how much you're able to make. Literally, you can make as much as you want to make. So by you focusing on marketing and focusing on finding your people, it's gonna be able to get you there much faster. Now, where I think people forget that is they're like so paralyzed by being that salesy person but the beautiful part is when you're talking to people so for example during the pandemic i didn't have child care and so when i was going through and growing my business like i'm literally having a child next to me growing my business and it was very messy and lots of tears were happening and so from a sales aspect if someone were to come in and say here you go i can watch your child from the hours of 8 a.m. to 5 p.m., and I won't get you guys sick, and I'll come in and take care of you, and I'll prepare all of your meals for you, and it'll just be great, and you'll be able to take a nap. That person wasn't being salesy if they would have come in and approached me, right? Because it was a pain point. I needed that, right? And so anytime, like thinking of you as the consumer, anytime you have a pain point, we want to fix it, right? We, As humans, we do not like to experience pain, so getting really clear on your ideal person's pain points and be able to talk about them. You won't have to feel salesy. You're literally presenting the information to them of like, Hey, this is how I can help you. Like I help entrepreneurs get from zero to six figures. So that's a pain point, right? We need money. And so I can talk you through that and say, this is how I can help you, but I'm okay. If you say no to me, like, cause I know what I'm doing and how I can help you. And so you have so much more to lose than I do. And so when you just let go of all the worry of rejection and you let like, go of all the worry of people ghosting you and what are they going to think and all of those things, you become so powerful.
0: I'd love to know, what do you do to stand out online? Like I know the coaching industry, it's a ton of people. What do you do to really make sure that you're different and just to really show up as fully as you and not worry about like what other people are doing? Yes, I
1: love that so much the best piece of advice I got a while ago was be you times two on social media, because there is a huge barrier in front of you, right? Because if you're, if you and I were sitting here chatting in person that I could feel your energy more, right? And so with a computer or a phone in between us, we've got to be a little bit more energetic than we typically are, because it's, the translation is just a little bit different. So being, being you times two is like the best piece of advice that I have. Now, how we do that is totally up to you. So I always want people to be authentic. Like I wear wigs on there, I'm cussing, like, but that's so my authentic self. Like that's really her and that she's been hidden for a while. And so I feel like I'm making up for lost time typically because I'm like just all over the place and just speaking my mind. But that's really me. And so if that wouldn't be you, I wouldn't want you to do that because that's not going to feel really good. And your audience is going to pick up on that. But if it's totally you to do a makeup tutorial, then I want you doing a makeup tutorial, right? This is how we like our authentic self is how we stand out. And then doing that times two, meaning like we can't just do one makeup tutorial and then not do it again, right? So the consistency of like, if you want to be known as the girl that does makeup tutorials, then we've got to do those consistently over and over and over again. Or if it's you showing outfits or if it's you sharing what you're learning through personal development, right? Then we've got to show that consistently. That's how we build trust with our audience. And once you have trust with your audience, they are more likely to buy from you, promote you, stay with you from a community aspect. And so the consistency is really how you stand out because there are people that come and go. People that sign up with me, they've seen me for over 14 years show up literally every single day, every single day, whether I want to or not. I share stories, I wear wigs, I cuss, and just whatever I feel that I wanna do, I do. I don't overthink it, I don't worry about it. I used to at one point in my life, but I don't anymore. And so the biggest thing is consistency. It's not very sexy, but in the world of online space, that, cause there's probably people that are, we call them lurkers. There's probably people watching you. Like, I'm just going to see what she's going to do for a while. Like, okay, that's cool that she has a podcast, but what is she going to do next? Right. So you, Sophia probably have a lot of people watching you just to see what you're doing. And then how you build a community af- after that is the consistency. Right. And once you have a community, you're, you would literally go to them every single time you have an idea. And be like, hey, we're selling these shirts and the shirts sell out, right? Hey, we're doing this program and the program sells out. Or hey, we have this retreat who wants to sign up and the retreat sells out. So building the community is how you stand out because you're only one person, right? But if you have an army of people that love you, appreciate you, have gotten value from you, then they're going to promote you and you're going to be so much more powerful than the person that's just like showing up here and there and yeah, maybe they're cool and they have awesome things to talk about, but no one can really know what's coming next for them and they don't have that trust. So the consistency is key. And I know that's not so sexy, but it really is important.
0: Do you ever get like burnt out social media? Oh yeah.
1: Oh, for sure. And so this brings up another really good topic because a lot of times in the online space, business owners say, oh, I'm going to go take a social media detox. I'll be back next week. And that's the worst thing that you can do because your social media is your storefront, right? Like it's like, for example, if Target's like, we're just tired today, so we're going to close our doors. People would be so mad. Right. And so Mm -hmm. what I tell entrepreneurs is, and I do this too, like yesterday, for example, I was like, I need a break. Like I'm exhausted. I, I'm an introvert. So I like need to like be in my quiet space and rest. So I barely touched it. I, I think I got in the morning just to like connect with my audience. And then I was out for the rest of the day. And I needed that to be able to show up better today, but I didn't tell everyone. Right. So that's the big key piece is like, go take care of you when you need to, but you don't have to tell everyone.
0: And what advice did you give someone who maybe has a block around starting their business or has a block around reaching the six figure mark? Mm-hmm
1: every new level, there's going to be a new devil, right? So like now I'm going Mm -hmm. for seven figures and reaching that. So then I can help people reach there. I always love to go before my audience of like, what did I learn and how can I make it faster for you? So now I'm being challenged again, like getting to six figures was a whole different ballgame. And now it's getting to seven figures. I'm learning so much. And so the biggest thing for me is listening to what you need and being able to focus on that because there's always going to be distractions of the things to do, people to talk to and tie We all, we always have the same 24 hours in the same day, right? Like we have the same 24 hours as Beyonce, as I like to say. So we've really got to make it work. So for that person that's on starting their business on the other end, there's always going to be challenges. And so That sounds weird to say, but sometimes it's helpful to know. It's not like you get to six figures and you're sitting back and you're like, yay, life's easy now. Like all this money is just coming in. It's like, no, every business, even big businesses are having challenges. So there's always going to be those challenges. And so your mindset is literally everything. The more you can hone in on your emotional intelligence, mastering your mindset, keeping, you know, amazing people around you, you're going to feel more motivated to be able to start your business or grow your business to six figures. And you're going to have the people around you to support you with that. Like, for example, if you are wanting to start your business, but the only people you surround yourself with are people that are in a day job and they hate their day job, but they're not doing anything about it. You're probably not going to be really motivated to go out and start your own business, right? But if you're wanting to start your own business and you're around six figure earners and they're like, yeah, I left my job. You can absolutely do this. Here's all the things to do. You're like, yes, I've got this. Right. So even just, you know, law of association of who you're surrounded with is literally, you've got to treat it like a million dollars because it is so critical to be around the right people listening to the right things. Cause then you have all the tools and resources in your toolbox to be able to grow to any level that you want. And so the biggest piece of advice for I have for that person growing either they want to start or they're growing now is to literally put their head down, get to work, but ask for support. I wish I would have asked for more support when I was building. I felt like I had to like have this badge of honor of like, I'll do it on my own. And it's, It was so frustrating. It was so grueling. I could have gotten there faster. And so that's why I love what I do because I don't want other entrepreneurs to feel what I felt. And so any entrepreneur that I can help in any way, even if it's a free resource, is like totally what I'm about.
0: And what's something you're learning right now?
1: Mm, What am I learning right now? I'm learning a lot of different things. Manifesting is probably the biggest, and it has been so cool to me to see how it really works. And I've been working on it, doing it every single month of like, what am I manifesting this month? So it's a short amount of time. And then I go on to the next thing, but it happens. It's so cool to be able to see it happen. And then the next thing is building a team. So really going from that solo entrepreneur to a full-fledged company, and how can we do that? Because it can't rely, if if I truly want to get to seven figures... I know that it can't rely on just me. I don't want it to rely on me. I don't want to go back to the girl that was pulled over on the side of the road to having stress success again. So really building that team around me and how do I do that? And how can I be an amazing leader and a supporter for them and have them shine and then be in great roles? So those would be like the two big things right now.
0: And what's something that most people don't know about you?
1: Mm, My full name is Janelle. That's like a little secret of mine. So my nickname is Nellie and my full name is Janelle. My grandmother actually that passed away from cancer called me Nellie. And so I just feel really close to that name and um, feel like that's who I've grown into and not my full name. So that's what I go by.
0: And what's something laying you up right now? Can be anything.
1: Ooh, I just started dance lessons.
0: <laughs> what type of dance? Uh, ballroom
1: dance? Yes.
0: If you can go back in time. And talk to your 20-year-old self. What advice would you give her?
1: What would I give my 20-year-old self advice? There's so much that I would say to her. I think the biggest, it may sound cheesy, but live your life for you. Like, I feel like I worried in my early 20s, I worried so much what my mom would think, what my sister would think, what my friends would think, you know, what my board members would think of the nonprofit. And I didn't put me first. We're so conditioned and programmed that that's selfish to think of what you want and going for it that I feel like in my late twenties, I started to fully embrace. And that's really when I felt alive, like truly alive in my life of like, I'm in the driver's seat. I'm doing what I want. I don't like, it's okay if people don't agree, that's cool, but this is my life. So that's what I would tell her because I would have, I think it would have happened much faster of just changing directions and growing a business.
0: And what advice would you give someone who's a mom and wants to be killing it like you and doing exactly what you're doing? What would you Mm -hmm. tell her? That you can do
1: it. When I had my daughter, Emma, so many people, again, I don't know why we think that we say these things to women because they're not okay. But people said, don't grow a business. Like just enjoy your baby right now. We don't say those things to men, right? Men go back to their day jobs Mm -hmm. or if that's what they're doing, And even when they do have a baby. And so I that lit me up of like we've got to change the narrative for working moms of like, if you want to work at home with your babies, great. If you want to take your kids to daycare and work your business, great. If you do want to be a stay-at-home mom, that's fantastic too. But I really do believe every mother should have something of her own because when your kids become your identity you lose yourself. And so even if it's a side hustle and you're earning that extra income, it feels really good. And so just knowing that she can do it, like, I trust me, I was not the popular girl in school. I don't come from a rich family. My life has been lots of challenges and I did it so you can do it too.
0: And what have you learned from your daughter? What has she taught you?
1: Oh my gosh, she's taught me so much. So she's almost three now and she is just living her best life like she dances she sings she like yesterday we took her to get a flu shot and she wanted to wear cowboy boots and a hat like she's just she's embracing her authentic self like truly to the core and so she's reminded me of that she's also reminded me to not work so much like i love to work and so the nice the honestly the nice part about a toddler is like yesterday there was no way I could get any work done. Like she wanted to play and have fun and she could like, she'll grab my hand. And she, so she's like my constant reminder of like, go play, go have fun. Like your business will still be there tomorrow.
0: Thank you so much for doing Oh this. my gosh,
1: it's such a pleasure, Sophia.
0: Where can people connect with
1: yeah, you? Yeah, so I hang out mostly on Facebook. I would love for you to friend me, Nellie Corvo. Uh, you can also find me on Facebook at the Sales Queen. Instagram, I hang out there a little bit. Uh, And I'll be hanging out there more. And it's the sales queen on uh, IG as well.
0: Thank you guys so much for listening. I love if you can leave me a review on iTunes. Please feel free to share it with any friends you think the story would resonate with. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day.